What's going on, everybody? Cheers. Happy Wednesday, and more importantly, Happy New Year. Happy 2024, and welcome to the With Her Two Hands podcast. This is the weekly show dedicated to celebrating the women who build, fix, and make the things that make the world go round with her own two hands. I am your host, Bogey. Welcome back. We took a small break for the holiday. I hope everybody had a wonderful uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate, and a happy new year, and that everybody uh, enjoyed family and friends and and had a safe holiday season, and that your new year is off to a great start. So tonight we have a very cool guest. I'm very excited to introduce you to Miss Jenna Miranda. She is a former Journey Woman electrician turned Harley Davidson technician. So two different trades represented and a very interesting story. Really cool lady. I'm excited to introduce her to you guys, but I want to thank you guys before we jump into tonight's episode for being along for this journey. This is now year four of the With Her Two Hands podcast, which is crazy to me. This started out as a little COVID era live stream series on Instagram. Uh, it has been going strong thanks to all of your interest and all of your support and support of all of our great sponsors throughout the years. Uh, it's been a crazy run. We've got a whole lot more in store for you this coming year uh, as this series continues to grow and evolve and develop. So thanks for being a part of this journey and being a Long for the ride. So without further ado, let's bring tonight's guest in. I'm really excited for you guys to get to meet her and hear her story. And I'm excited to hear more about her journey as well. So Jenna, hello. How are you? What's up, Bogey? How are you guys? Fantastic. Why don't you tell the fine folks at home um, what you do, and then we'll dig into the past a little bit. But currently, uh, tell everybody where you're from, where you're at currently, and what you do. Totally. All right. So I'll start off with the fact that my name is Jenna. I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I currently reside in Aliso Viejo, which is in Southern California, Orange County. And I currently work as a Harley Davidson technician. I work on bikes uh, all day and uh, I get sent to school to learn about that. And it's a passion of mine that I've just been taking on pretty recently, actually, but it's a really good time. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll start there. I love it. So how long have you been with Harley now? I've been, I work over um, over at Orange County Harley-Davidson. It's in Irvine, California. Okay. And for the company as a whole, I started working there back in August of 2022. So okay. I would say about a year and a half now. Um, okay. Although when I did start there, I didn't start as a technician right off the bat. Oh, okay. I actually entered the company as a, a porter, which okay. a motorcycle porter pretty much helps out the service department in the back. Um, they move bikes around. They pick up and deliver customer bikes. They wash the bikes once the technicians are completed with them. Um, pretty much just keep the shop in running order, uh, whatever. It's a helping hand. So yeah. that's kind of how I got my foot in the door over there and how I started okay. the part of the whole. So you didn't like go to like MMI or like a technical school before going in or did you? I didn't, no. Okay. I just so you just dove in. 
For sure. Yeah. I just have a super <laughs> hands-on uh, background in general, but also okay. uh, thankfully I have two older brothers that rode dirt bikes and four-wheelers when I was growing up. Okay. So that's how I got introduced into the two-wheel world. I've always been interested in it from a young age. I would say about six years old from when I was competent enough to be like, what are they doing? I right. want to try that. And I got thrown on my first 50 CC and I was just kind of ripping down the roads and uh, oh, took awesome. off from there. Nice. So awesome. So you just kind of threw yourself in there, but you like, you have, you have a past. You did not like before diving into motorcycles as a career path, you, you had a former career. What was your former career before diving into motorcycles. So I did. My my former career was a journeyman electrician in the state of Massachusetts. So unfortunately, at the moment, I am not licensed in the state of California, although at one point I do see that potentially happening. Okay. Um, side jobs are always a great way to pull in extra cash if need be, and uh, just a good way to keep my chops up. But I had gone to trade school back in Mass., and that's how I got introduced to the electrical world. The trade school offered trades such as electrical, plumbing, carpentry, you know, automotive, auto body, stuff like that. And at the ripe age of 15, 16 years old. Oh, my gosh. I chose electrical. Um, not you were a baby. I was a baby. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just crazy to think how aware and competent that I was at that age, because I, I understand that m most aren't. But I saw electrical as a never dying trade. We live in a world that's electricity predominant. People want it, people yeah. need it. Yeah. And for that alone, I knew I'd always have a job, not only because of that, but with me also being a female, it's still minority within the trade in a lot of companies, um, whether they be union or non-union, want those female numbers. Um, it's a yeah. great show. People, Most people love it nowadays. So um, I, cho I chose that route as is, and, and not to mention the electrical diagrams and stuff like that just like clicked for me. Like I'd look at it and I'd be like, oh. You know, I'd be able to do it pretty quick, but that's awesome. And you, so you were 15, that kind of blows my mind. So you were, how did you wind up at a trade school to begin with? Like, did you have an interest in the trades from when you were a little kid? Like what led you to that point of being at a trade school at 15, where you're choosing between all of these different career paths? So luckily enough, I had come from an area where you would have your sending school, which would be like your city or town school that you're in. And that town that I was living in was part of the district that this trade school accepted. So okay. the trade school that I went to was regional. So there was like 15 different towns of kids that were able to go to this trade school. And okay. You became eligible if you, you know, carried good grades and well-being and X, Y, and Z, and were also from one of the coinciding towns. So entering my freshman year, I had the opportunity to go that route and I kind of saw what it was about. And I thought it was a, a no brainer. You know, I was like, are you kidding? I had alternating weeks, you know, I would go to, sh I would go to school one week and then the next week I would have like my shop week. So I wouldn't be sitting in classes. I'd be sitting okay. doing hands-on stuff. Um, so again, who wouldn't want that as a young teenager <laughs> going to school half the time? I loved it. Right. 
So you spent half the time at your home school, your like your main school, your whatever you call it. When, had trade school was one school. So like oh. basically you would just go and it, it was like a pretty big school. And like I said, one week there'd be a bunch of classrooms and you would go as if it were normal school. Okay. But then the next week you, everyone has a designated shop within that same school. So you okay. would pretty much just stay within your shop or there would be what they would call house projects and we'd like go out on sites sometimes. Interesting. Yeah. That's really, so we have something similar ish here in Phoenix um, or the Phoenix Metro area um, mm -hmm. where like, but it's, there's like, there's lots of like different home schools or, or high schools or, you know, all around the Valley. And then they can, kids can spend half of their day at their regular school. And then the other half of their day in a trades program and they wow. can pick from all of these different trades programs. So they're getting all of like their core curriculum, say that 10 times fast, core <laughs> curriculum um, at their, at their high school. And then they go to the trade school for their career education. But so you, this was like a full time, you were getting your core curriculum and your trade school all in the same place. Yeah. And yep. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. It was and, super cool. And everybody was given that opportunity or that option to, to do that. If you, like I said, if you main, maintained good grades, absolutely. Yeah. Because um, not to mention when you have your shop weeks and you're not technically in school, you still have a bunch of school homework that they give you for like a week's worth of not being in school that you had to complete on yeah. top of that. So um that's really cool your junior and senior year you were able to do this thing called co-op so okay. instead of going to the school to be within your trade classroom you could get a job that pertained to your trade and instead of going to school for your shop week you would just go to work Awesome. And you would have this little uh, like grade sheet that basically whoever your supervisor was for yeah. at your work would sign off. Literally, if you weren't doing that grade or X, Y, and Z, they would grade it accordingly. And you'd have to okay. bring it back to your school and they would review it. And that would count as your grade. So not only my senior year was I getting paid, but I was also getting marked as school credit. I like, I would really suggest trade school to anyone and that's, everyone. And if someone knows what it is and you're questioning it, do it. That's it. You had an incredible experience. What a cool, pro how long ago was this? Cause this is, that, that did not exist when I was a kid. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I graduated actually in 2015. Oh my gosh. You're a baby. <laughs> but sure. that gives me hope that awesome stuff is happening that is oh really gosh, yeah absolutely really cool program that's incredible and how like how was it for you as a as a woman like when you I mean you were a girl at the time you're 15 when you chose into this right mm -hmm. um when you said you know family uh guidance counselors teachers like this is what I want to do and I want to choose into this program like did was it accepted was it questioned? Um, you know what? It actually wasn't questioned at all in terms of uh, whether it be like positive or negative asking why. It was more just, I think my advocates saw that it was a great decision and they just, they pumped me up about it from the start. They, they loved that I did it. Um, they loved that it was, again, not a female predominant trade that I was choosing and just being able to excel in that people had kind of 
I, I, I just got a strong drive for it. You know, I'm never going to back down towards anything. So uh, <laughs> the encouragement towards my superiors was just amazing the whole time throughout. They all were some of my best cheerleaders. That's super fantastic. And you said you have two brothers as well. So they were, were they like big cheerleaders for this as well? You know, I feel like I, my parents (laughs) had split uh, when I was about six years old. So my relationship with my brothers kind of like parted ways and we weren't super close around that time, but from getting a little bit older, we've actually grown like much closer together nowadays. And even though they might not have been like verbally present throughout that time, it doesn't take them having to tell me for me to know how proud of me uh, they Mm -hmm. are. It's just, it's, it goes full circle They're Yeah. They're really great guys. Yay. I love that. How did, how did mom and dad feel? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. I don't even think that they can bring it into words, how proud or how, you know, just noble they feel of or see me as uh, for the choices that I've made and the capabilities that I have is just astonishing. And I'm, I'm just thankful for the people that I have rooting me on in my corner. Honestly, it keeps me going. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So how, so you get into this trades high school you're choosing electrical because of the the opportunities that you see, which is very like forward thinking. I have to say, most fifteen year olds are not doing that. Like, right? Like, most fifteen year olds are definitely not thinking about what their future career options are going to be. Um, but um, so now you're getting to that senior year where it's time to find that job to do the co op and get paid, like you said. How did how was getting that first job experience like, and what was that first job experience like for you? Oh my gosh. Actually, <laughs> it's that's so cool that you asked me that because thinking of it, it's actually one of my proudest highlights, I would say. Okay. Um, as you know, coming into an adult world. Yeah. So being in the trade school already, there's a few companies around the area that will take children from that trade school and you know have them as apprentices, have them do the co-op. So the first company, electrical company that I had worked for was Mercier Electric. Um, They're a commercial industrial, somewhat residential company, but mostly commercial industrial. Um, They were looking for one more apprentice and they were looking for one from the school, which is basically part time for them because it's one one week on one week off. Okay. so they approached the school and were like, listen, we're we're looking for one. And my teacher was like, I have three kids in the class that I think would be great. So he talked to us. He had all three of us go in for an interview at this company at totally separate times. And um, I mean, my competition was pretty, pretty solid. Two other of my classmates that had worked with side by side that I was kind of not nervous, but like I was like, (laughs) oh, shoot, it's not just me. I have competition. Right. Yeah. So. I'm not really worrying about how their interview goes. Uh, I just go in with an open heart, open mind and confidence. And he's asking me all these questions in terms of uh, basically the trade, my knowledge, my my drive towards things. And I this is what I love telling this story because one of the funniest things he asked me and I answered it in the perfect way. He goes, How's your skin? Meaning like, you know, you got thick skin. Oh, I'm like, what? Right. So he's sitting there across the table from me close. And he's like, how's your skin? And I'm like, whoa, 
pretty like pretty smooth. Like I used lotion this morning and he just starts dying laughing. And he's like, no, no, like, do you have thick skin? Like, can you like put up with, and I just cut him off and I go, listen, man, I know what you mean. I grew up with two older brothers. I work with a shop full of 14, like prepubescent boys. Like my skin is pretty thick. And then he's like, perfect. That's what I love to hear. And- and it's moisturized to boot so (laughs) (laughs) yep so that was a great response and uh fast forward maybe three days or so I'm sitting in my classroom and uh I'm getting a phone call and I kind of look down at it and it says Mercier and typically in class you're not going to answer your phone right I just so happened to be in my electrical class and like I showed my instructor who it was and he's like, yeah, go take that. So I stepped outside the classroom like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, hey, how's it? You know, we, you know, interviewed the other two gentlemen and, you know, we we really reviewed you guys' applications and everything. And, you know, if you're interested, we'd really love to offer you the job position. And I was just floored because to get it over those two classmates that were also very competent people I was just like it it still brings a smile to my face because like I said I've got my own drive that I know that I'm aware of and when other people see it and let make that aware that it's known is just such a gratifying feeling yeah that's awesome absolutely that's really cool how were your classmates how did they uh were like in general how were your classmates they they were they were con- yeah they they were more than happy for me everyone was you know cool. cr- congratulating me and i mean after the fact one of the kids definitely seemed like well i didn't want that job anyways but like let's be real <laughs> like you didn't get it so like of course you didn't want that job anyways but aside <laughs> from the fact yeah everyone was everyone was super nice about the whole entire thing That's awesome. so overall your classmates like in general throughout your experience were supportive and treated you like anybody else Oh, totally. That's awesome. Totally. That's, was it the same group of kids throughout like your whole program, throughout your whole high school? Yep. Okay. How big, how, how large was the group of kids? Um, I think each, that trade itself was allowed, I want to say like 18 students oh, at wow. a time. But, so but you were we with that group tight throughout the four years? Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Interacting with the same people those four years. Yep. Interesting. (laughs) Did they start out awesome with you? Was there like a learning curve there or like, were you just accepted like from the get go? Well, to be honest with you, um, entering that shop, it wasn't just me as the only female, there were actually two other females. So there was three of us out of 18. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so badass. It was super badass. And I want to say that both of those females still continue to do electrical till this day. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I might need to, I might be ready to retire then. Like, it sounds like things are changing and that's awesome. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Un- Unfortunately, I don't think it's the same everywhere, but you've, it sounds like you've had such a phenomenal experience where it's just been like a non-issue that you, that you're female, like. It, it doesn't seem to have come into play or been an issue at all with, with your experiences. That's so cool to hear. Do you, I mean, do you feel like that's the case? Don't get me wrong with, with my colleagues. It's been uh, su- super lax overall. Everyone's been super accepting and willing to give me the chance to show what I'm capable of, okay. but there has been that small handful of people, which mind you has even been colleagues sometimes that, almost give you a little bit too much 
resistance sometimes just to kind of like poke the bear because they mm-hmm. like they know um just because you're a chick or they'll they'll make the fe- you know the feminist jokes and stuff like that and you need to be able to I don't want to say take it, but you need to know how to respond to it in a way that's not conniving, but get them to understand that you can stand your ground and don't mess with me too hard because it's going to, something's going to come of it, you know, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Um, And not to mention some of the, uh, some, I mean, come to understand the older generation. uh, And when I say older generation, I mean, let's say grandparents age. We'll still your be... grandparents' age. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, just the older generation who isn't used to having or seeing females in such male predominant trades. Uh, I yeah. have had a few instances where I've shown up on certain sites and they're kind of looking at me and I've had people request, well, is there anyone else to do it? Or, you know, what is she doing here? And just seem very unpleasant, you know, not pleased and just all around uncomfortable. But in the end of the day, being able to just keep your composure and let them know that like, I, you know, I'm a very diligent learner, worker. I've gone through this for about 10 years now. And if you give me the chance to show you what I'm capable of, like, I can promise you, you'd be more than satisfied. And I've had a good few of those people after seeing me perform what I'm capable of turn around and actually apologize to me. And again, that's just, you kind of need to bite your tongue during that initial feel because unfortunately we don't live in a society yet where the females in the trade is like a hundred percent accepted. It's much more accepted than it was, but we're still not there yet. So we got to have that thick skin. You got to know how to fight back. (laughs) You got to know how to be patient, bite your tongue, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Something you said, I'm curious, are you, do you find that it's more like other people, like not necessarily your colleagues or, or people you work with or go to school with or whatever, but more like, or other tradesmen, is it more like the consumers, the customers, the, the clients that you have issues with, or is it sometimes a little bit of both? Definitely more, more so the clients most of the time. Interesting. And okay. not, I mean, at the time being too, not only being a female, but I mean, I'm 26 years old right now. So when I was doing that at like 20, like I became a licensed journeyman electrician at 20 years old to walk into someone's house or establishment at 21 years old and them to be like, yeah, you're doing that. Like you're a kid you're yeah. doing. And like, it's like a grown adult and, yeah. and they're, they're just, they're baffled. Yeah. That's a fair yeah. point. Like part of it's about the age and and not just about the gender or sometimes it's even more that more about the the age than mm-hmm. anything else. And um that's it's good that you saw that and recognized that back then. You seem to have like a really phenomenal attitude about all of it. Like, and I think that goes a really far away. Like that goes a long way too, is like how you carry yourself in totally. a shop with your colleagues, with fellow tradespeople. Like, do you have do you have tips or like or techniques that you've kind of employed that have been helpful for you in in dealing with it when you do have that apprehension from people, whether it's a customer or a colleague? Like how, like you said, kind of letting them know this isn't going to stand. Um, like how do you do that in a way that doesn't create more issues for you, but is 
just being firm and setting your boundaries? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that. I would say number one, you have to keep your composure um, because while confronting anyone, whether it be a colleague that you're a little bit more comfortable with or a customer that you're, you know, treading a little lighter with, um, you have to keep your composure because no one is going to respond or be receptive if you're coming at them and barking at them upset. Mm. Um, so there has been a lot of times where I've had to walk away and take a walk and just clear my head. And there's sometimes you see red over some of the people, what some <laughs> people say or how they view you or how you think they view you. You just, you Ooh. need to take control <laughs> and you need to remember that composure and just remember that we're all human at the same time. And however you respond to someone strongly reflects on how they're going to respond back to you and then treat you further on after that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keeping composure, I would say is the number one big thing and uh, be able to state exactly what you want and how you feel, what will be beneficial to you, what works for you in terms of learning and processing with other people. You need to lay all, uh, all of that out on the line because even in a non-trades world, learning something completely different, every <laughs> teacher teaches different and everyone learns different. So you kind of got to, you kind of have to give leeway and be accepting and understanding to that fact alone, because mm. not everyone is going to, I've had a lot of different mentors and I've had some amazing mentors in my life. And that's definitely why I am the way that I am. But I didn't just click with these mentors right off the bat either. There's been hoops and hurdles that I've had to jump over till it really clicked with me. That's like, okay, that's how they teach. How mm. can I take from the way that they're giving it to me? Yeah. How can I get them to understand that this is the way that I need to learn? So I, I would say that even that point alone too is, is like a huge factor within pushing forward within a trade or anything within life in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's life in general. That's absolutely, I love that. That's a great perspective. And I, I love what you said too, about the, like remembering like how they perceive you or how you think they perceive you. And that's such a powerful, like acknowledgement in and of itself is just remembering that sometimes what we think they're thinking isn't actually what they're thinking, right? <laughs> like that's our own stuff sometimes too. Yeah. We're our own worst critics. And you know, it takes as much as Guilty. a look on someone's face. It takes as much as a look on someone's face for you to be like, oh no, are they thinking you you know what I mean? Like they haven't even said anything and you're already assuming something. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh yeah, I am 100% guilty. Uh, and uh, sometimes I am able to stay zen about it uh, and other times not so. <laughs> yeah, me too. Listen, I still struggle with it every single day, but it's it's a learning process as I go along. Right. Have you always been this zen? Like, where did you learn this, like, wise for such a young person to be so, like, wise and zen and, like, um, perceptive? What... Have you always been this way? Where did this come from? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I think I I think that this is not my first time here on earth. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I, I, I've part of me feels like my soul has been here before and I've kind of picked up and learned certain things with haste. 
but also some of the things that I've been through within my life as a young child, for example, my parents splitting up and divorcing when I was around six years old and going from having two brothers to my brother staying with my father and me going with my mother. I now became an only child. Um, So having to deal with certain situations where I didn't have my brothers there or, you know, my mother wasn't there present because she had been working to be able to provide or X, Y, and Z. Uh, there were a lot of internal battles that I had to uh, handle on my own from a young, young, young age, which always made me an extremely understanding person in terms of life because it's not easy. Um, and I mean, granted, we're on a podcast. I'm about to speak on another podcast briefly, but if anyone's heard about the Andrew Huberman, uh, Huberman Labs podcast, he recently had David Goggins on his podcast, who basically explains like from the moment you open your eyes, like it's, you have a decision to make whether to push through or to be like, you know, this sucks. My life sucks. Cause in the end of the day, it's always going to suck. So <laughs> there's no way, if there's no way to find like a positive attitude towards something, you're always going to be in this state of like dread. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care to be in that state of dread. I have much too of a creative mind to be in that state. And with the hurdles that life throws at us constantly, I realized at a young age that it was much easier to bear through with a calmer state of mind. And also it helps you think a lot clearer when you're being open with yourself and not just being upset and heated about something. You're just kind of like, okay, let me take it for what it is. Let me handle it how I need to handle it. And then we can move on from the rest. I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I really think that if people are not Zen enough, then a lot of there would be a lot of angry people in this world. I mean, don't get me wrong. I might see very, very, very zen, but I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm a pretty angry person. Um, but I have you, you are not coming across as angry, at right? All. I, but that's because, that's because I made a decision to choose to not be mm. like that because no one wants to be around a person that's upset. Or getting angry at things. And again, I can't learn very well when I'm angry because all I am is just, I'm like, I'm mad, you know? But so you kind of, I always find a way to try to reel myself back in, even if I just need to take a walk. That's awesome. That's fascinating and fabulous perspective. I really, I really appreciate everything that you're saying. It's interesting that you say that you're this angry person that you're not, like you've chosen not to be. And that's wonderful. And I know it's not like a, I know it's not an on off switch, right? Like it's not something you just decide one day. It's something you have to consciously choose and practice every day. Like every single day, remake that choice every day. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting to me because I feel like I was not an angry person when I was younger. And then I feel like I learned it working in the trades. Um, okay. Because I, I was, when I was in the trades, like in the field, when I was working in the dealerships, like it was, it was all men. It was a lot of men who were not happy to see me. Um, but it was also like, and maybe things have changed since, since then, but I feel like men in our society are often like kind of told that anger is one of the few emotions that they're allowed to express. Mm-hmm. And so like anger was like the go-to emotion. And back when I was in the shop, it was like, 
I didn't feel like I was allowed to be me and I kind of had to act like one of the guys to get by. And so sure. I feel like I learned angry as a coping mechanism. Sure. So it's interesting to me to hear and maybe like gives me a breath of fresh air or like hope or I'm curious, like, do you, did you experience, do you feel like there's a lot of anger within your trade, within the electrician trade now within Harley or, or has that started to diminish? And like, how do you maintain when you're surrounded by so much anger as the only means of expression to not give in to that? To be honest with you, I try my best to not worry about what other people have going on around me because I don't want that affecting me. But when it comes to myself in terms of let's talk about any project we're going to be working on, right? Nothing ever goes smooth sailing. And when it does, it's like, <laughs> wow, praise the Lord. <laughs> but there's always that breaking point where something should just be working for you. You've thought about it logically in your head and you're doing it and it's just not mapping out. Yeah. And you try it over and over and you're being patient. And then finally, like it, there hits the snapping point where you're just like, you know what? And you want to like throw your tools across, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm done. But yeah. So, yeah, that that is present within the electrical base, the Harley base always. Um, but I think what I'm actually actively practicing on now, um, because there's a lot of instances where I'll run into um, you're trying to get something done and already you're like, like screw this you know what I mean like you're getting <laughs> hot over it but I've come to notice that I can feel myself working up to that point like if you're already struggling and like hoofing over it like and you're not at that point where you're like ready to throw something like when you're hoofing already like that's that point of like recognition where you need to be like hey yeah. whoa like look you know it's it's you got to try to grasp it before it's even there um mm -hmm. before you start wrenching on something you even see it you like going through the experiences you I start to notice like okay that's this way I've gone through that before let me figure out you know either keep my cool now or just go through it slower and try to figure out a way that works <laughs> x y and z um but yeah it's it's definitely not easy I think the main fact is just kind of remembering like where your head goes when you get in that state and remembering that right before it like right before that flip that switch flips on you yeah. don't flip. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's fantastic. I 100% I agree. It's like you get the warning flags or, you know, warning signs and you know, you know, it's coming. And then <laughs> like the first step is that awareness of those warning signs. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is doing something about it when those warning signs start happening and, and knowing you can make a different choice. I love it. You're fantastic. You've got a great, great attitude and a great energy. I feel like yeah. I I feel like if I worked near you, especially in my younger days, that that would rub off on me. Do you feel like you rub off on the people around you and that they're like more chill as a result of working with you? You know, it, it kind of depends. It depends on the person because let's be real. We can talk and we can be like this, but uh, you can also relate being around men in a shop. Not every guy is like this. Yeah. I mean, men go, Most are not. Their, yeah, men go home to their wives. You know what I mean? And I think about it kind of in that perspective sometimes it's like, guys want to sort of come to the shop and have like guy time. Sometimes they they're away from their wives. They don't need to talk proper in a certain way and X, Y, and Z. And I feel like when I walk into a shop, sometimes they're like, Oh, great. You know, 
but also in the same sense, like, what am I doing that's going to keep you from doing X, Y, and Z? Because realistically, I don't care what I hear. Most of the stuff that's said in the shop is like in one ear, out the other. I'm barely paying attention. And yeah. if I'm being completely honest, I'm probably a little bit more raunchy than any of the guys in there. Just because you kind of have to be. You got to show them what's yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. That's that's part of that setting of the boundaries thing, right? Like, <laughs> like showing them that you can be and that they can't embarrass you. Um. <laughs> I, would say, I would say that it rubs off on some, but some are also can be a little bit stuck in their ways of just you kind of leave them in their corner a little bit and you don't want to, you don't want to egg them on too much. You just leave it be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So we're like, we're going through time really quickly here. Unfortunately, there's so much to talk about. We haven't even left the electrical world yet. So um, <laughs> what, what made you leave the electrical world? Like, I'm so, so curious. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Electrical is one of the best trades out there. You make amazing okay. money. Um, it just hands down. A lot of people don't want to touch it because it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of gave me that thrill factor. But in the end of the day, like I had said, I, I was licensed and working full time. Well, I was working full time before that, but I was licensed by the age of 20. I entered my 21 year stage working my absolute ass off. Um, before I was even licensed, I was doing side work about seven days a week with one of my old friends. And, uh, we would go to do side work after our day jobs work until anywhere from eight to 11 at night. And then we would work Saturday, Sundays too. And wow. I would say I got definitely a little bit burnt out, but I also kind of felt like, man, to be 23 years old at the time and already complete what like some 30 40 year olds are trying to do I was yeah. just kind of like oh my god I felt almost kind of bored I'm like how did I accomplish this much at such a young age and it already started to feel super monotonous for me I would go home and I'd worry about the jobs that I in projects that I was working on I'd go home and I'd be quoting I'd go like I was never not thinking about electrical if I would go out with my friends who now own their own apartments and houses and stuff, um, I would purposely try to not bring up the fact that I was an electrician because as soon as people caught wind of that, that's all they wanted to talk about. Projects on their home and their mother and this and that and this. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The abundance of work is great. But I started to feel like a robot. I felt like I didn't have a normal life where people wouldn't talk to me about what they wanted to do with their projects and their homes. And, oh, my grandmother needs this and that and this. And it's like, dude, three hours ago, we just came out and we're having a good time. And now you caught wind of this. And it's like, you're, you're like on repeat. <laughs> and it, it just like, it hurt. It hurt my entire soul. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't feel like who I am. Um, so... Part of me was like, I feel like I completed my first side quest in life. And now I'm like, what's my second, you know? So okay. <laughs> I, took a, I took on a hobby that uh, I really wanted to learn more about. Um, I didn't live with my brothers when they were riding dirt bikes. When I would go over every other weekend was when I was able to ride. 
Um, and then I kind of hit an age where I didn't go to my father's as much because as teenage boys, they don't want their little sister following them around. So it came to the point where I was like, my dad would be sleeping or like, I didn't want to just like hang out with my dad all the time, you know? So it got a little boring for me and I stopped going, I stopped riding, but I always sort of had that interest. Um, I bought my first Harley about six years ago. Um, and before I bought the Harley, I had bought a dirt bike that for super cheap, I replaced like the front and rear tire and tubes. I did the chain. Um, I think that was really it. Just got the thing running and then learn and practice the clutch and stuff on that. And then when I was comfortable, I took the like rider safety course and got like licensed Nice. And, uh, yeah, my mother wasn't aware of that. I just went down to a dealership one day and I was like, <laughs> I like that one, you know, and I put, you know, I ended up getting a bike, financing a bike by myself. And I went home and I was like, showed her the picture of it. I'm like, what do you think of this? And she's like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm like, how cool would it be okay. if it was mine? And she's like, you're funny. And I was like, no, seriously, though, it's mine. And she's like, you're kidding. <laughs> she didn't think I was serious until I brought it home. That's awesome. She was like not <laughs> about it, and I still think that she's not super thrilled about it. But it's also it's also part of me. It's who I am. Yeah. Um. So being able to be around the dirt bikes and watch my brothers change their tires in the backyard with screwdrivers, um, as being a young kid, like <laughs> I never really uh like understood. Like they never really like involved me. I would watch, but they'd never be like want to try. Like I was always right. curious. And then once I got the dirt bike and my motorcycle, I mean, shoot, who wants to be broken down anywhere and not know how to fix their thing? No. Nobody. <laughs> so I kind of, in my mind, was like, well, you better start learning. And when it came to the Harley, I started looking up how to put like the exhaust on, a new set of bars on, which included having to bleed my brakes, which I've never done before <laughs> at that point. Like there were just so many learning curves that were so interesting to me from such a young age that now I'm just getting to start to learn. Yeah. Um, so being able to run and not get forced into something, but choose it by myself. And it's like a hobby and interest to me just kind of like pulled me right in. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to basically, I had left the previous electrical job that I was at. And I was at a point where I was like, I could go work for another company doing electrical, or I could make the transition that I've always wanted to try. I'm 20 at the time I was 24 years old and I was like now there's no better time to do it I didn't own a house I don't have children I didn't have any pets like I had nothing holding me back at the right. time and with all the overtime I had worked I just had this abundance of money that I was about to buy a house with and I decided amazing to buy a house and I decided okay. to go the route where I was like you know I can I can take a pay cut for a little bit and survive to try to learn this new venture that is a hobby and interests me so that's realistically why I did it. I don't think that's electrical awesome. will ever like not be part of me. There's, yeah. I'm always going to love electrical if I'm being honest. And um, if I could get into like a good little side gig, I would totally do that. But it's not my main drive right now. I'm trying to focus on the bike stuff. That's fair. And and I can imagine it probably comes into play anyway. Like there's overlap, especially like Harley is not as, but it's getting there. 
where like it's more and more electrical and more and more control modules and like all of that sure. kind of stuff. So I'm sure there's a bunch of overlap in the in the yeah. skill sets. There can be um, in different ways when it comes to reading the wire diagrams, um, doing voltage drop, uh, resistance readings and stuff like that. That comes super naturally to me, but also uh, it being like more low voltage and DC circuit Mm -hmm. is totally different than what I had worked on. Uh, You were doing high, yeah, high voltage, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So a little different in that aspect, but when it came to like uh, cutting wires, soldering and stuff like that, that all came pretty natural to me, thankfully. And just understanding electricity. I think, you know, you said a lot of people stay away from electricity because they're, they're scared of it, both from a safety standpoint, but I think people are also just scared of, of like, they think it's really complicated. They think it's really scary. So they tend to stay away from it. And you had a conceptual understanding of it from the get go. So there's like, I think that that has got to overlap, but, um, and I love like, you're such a learner. You're such a, like, I, I recognize this like myself and I can, uh, I can totally just imagine that like mode that you were in where you were like tired and burnt out and like doing the same thing. And then you're like something new to learn, like, and, and light up at it and just be so excited about it and, and totally. be, you know, something, something to dive into, um, which it's a. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because you're so young and you're already on your second career. Like, mm-hmm. what's going to be your third side quest? I wonder. <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> um, I'm so curious about the same thing, honestly. I, I mean, if someone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I, I have no idea what what it was. Um, and in my eyes, knowledge is always power. Um, I love being a sort of jack of all trades. Uh, I just love being able to use my hands. Uh, There might be a day where I have a desk job and can't do it anymore. But if I were behind a desk right now, um, (laughs) I I don't know. I must have undiagnosed ADHD because there's no way I could like sit on a computer like this all day. There's no way. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. And you're such a poster child for the trades too, like of what's possible at, at 24, you were able to think about buying it. Like even just thinking you chose not to, but Mm -hmm. the fact that you could be thinking about buying a house at such a young age is like people who go to a traditional high school, traditional quote unquote. Right. Um, And then go to a a traditional four-year college, like they're, just barely getting out of college by the time that you were getting bored with your first career and thinking about buying a house. Like that's such a huge statement that I think Mm -hmm. more people need to hear like what the possibilities are for careers in the trades for young people. See, and that, and that's just it too, is like a lot of people think that like once they take the trade route that they can't go to school or like go to college or X, Y, and Z. And I mean, if I'm being completely honest, if that's the way that some people feel, then that's just the way that some people feel. But again, speaking on the David Goggins thing, if you want to learn X, Y, and Z, there really is no limit. If you want to push yourself to learn throughout, you can do that, but you need to have the mental stability and discipline, number one, to be like, I'm going to do that. Because every single day, I mean, I had mentioned to you at maybe one point that 
I like to wake up and be at the gym by five o'clock every morning. Do I enjoy waking up at 4 a.m. to make that happen? Absolutely not. Most days I'm rolling out of bed and I'm hitting snooze like twice. <laughs> I alarm a little earlier just so I can snooze it a couple more times. It's tough, but it's a decision that I make every day because I care to better myself as a human and learn X, Y, and Z and try to get myself well-rounded within this world where there is so many possibilities. Yeah. I just can't get enough of it. If I, I'm telling you, if the human body did not need to sleep to function, I wouldn't. <laughs> There's not enough time in the day to learn the amount of stuff that I want to learn. But oh, I'm going to keep it on every day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, and I'm I'm jealous of your energy because uh, I that used to be me back in the day. I'm like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. There's things to learn and things to do. And now I'm like, I need to sleep. <laughs> but, I'm getting but, old. But to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be real. At my age, there's still a lot of individuals who spend their Fridays and Saturday nights oh, going out drinking and going out partying and having fun with their friends. And I have nothing bad to say about that. I had a lot of good times doing stuff like that. But personally, I really do feel like I'm on just a different journey in my life where I don't really connect with people out at a bar. I can't sit there and have a wholesome conversation because they're not on that same level as me. Um, so I spend a lot more of my time in and just focusing on me and I'll, I'll go out on occasion. But again, it's 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 a big focus thing. I, I think it, that just sets me aside from most individuals who are my age. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it sets you aside from most individuals in general. Like I think our, the everything that you're talking about is um, it, it's the self-awareness, the discipline, the the choosing something different for yourself actively every day. Like that is something that most human beings are not as in touch with. And I think we're seeing more of it. Like, I feel like there's more conversations around personal growth and, um, and personal development and awareness and mental health awareness and all that kind of stuff like now than there used to be. Um, so it, starting to change but like and there's like an I feel like there's an awakening to a degree kind of going on in our in our world um but it's still by far the minority who have conversations like this even right like with other people or even with themselves right like it's the minority for sure it's, no matter how it's old definitely you viewed, it's definitely viewed as as odd sometimes and it's it's pretty tough because a lot of people don't want to hear the truth and the truth is hard and unpleasant most of the time when it comes to the whole life aspect and learning something new aspect. Um, everyone wants the easy sugar-coated, you know, side of things. And I feel like that's why a lot of people get uh, so stumped within it is because they don't, they, they don't want the bad side. They don't want to hear the hard side. Mm. Um, but, but that's the fact of the matter. That's the truth. Yeah. It's what you do and with it that matters. Yeah, exactly. Once you learn to accept it, the easier things become. Yeah. I love it. I love your perspective. This is, I did not expect this in our conversation tonight at all, but I'm absolutely thrilled with it. I, I freaking love it. This is, this has been fantastic. You bring a whole different energy to things. Um, right, so tell, you. tell me more about Harley because we're running out of time already. Um, and I want to know like what you're, what you're loving about it, what your biggest challenges have been like, this is a whole new career and you're starting, you started all over from scratch. You started as a porter and you worked your way up. Um, how did you get from porter to where you're at 
first of all, because that's like, that's a hard transition. A lot of people get stuck there. A lot of, a lot totally. of people get stuck there. So I was totally honest uh, right when I walked in the door. Um, when I had come out here, I didn't have intention of doing this. I can, I mean, I guess I did, but it wasn't like my main focus. I was looking for different jobs around and seeing what I could make possible. On Indeed one day, I just so happened to see that Orange County Harley-Davidson was hiring a porter. So I wasted absolutely no time. I filled out <laughs> the application on Indeed, but I was like, what better way to, than to just go right there? Yeah. So I showed up over there and I said, hey, you know, you guys hiring? I saw that you guys had a porter application out. I let them know what I was about. And I, I kind of spoke as is, you know, drive very high. And, and they appreciated that. And the number one question was, do you have an M1? And my answer was yes. So I was pretty much hired on the spot just because they liked what I had to present. Awesome. Um, they were nervous about the larger bikes. I'm a smaller person. I'm only 5'3". And no more than like 125 pounds. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm bitty. <laughs> yeah, most people would look at me and be like, she can't pick up an ultra limited, <laughs> but right. I ride every bike that's there. So um, showing them my capabilities of doing all that put me on a higher spot. And then having the electrical background, I let them know that I could take care of certain things around the shop. So okay. I had done a lot of things for them electrically and building wise. Uh, oh, nice. one of my first like couple months being there, I like ran a demo project to rip down like a half wall, a half L wall, basically. Oh, wow. So I, I shut down the electrical on it. I ripped all the electrical off. I got all the airlines off of it and then uh, basically cut down the wall with like a sawzall. And then like I got a few of like the heavier guys and I was like, all right, just start tearing it. And like the thing fell right down and I was like, perfect. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's, a good, to, that's a way to make an impact. <laughs> yeah. Like I was able to run a project and like, uh, like give people sense of direction. Um, yeah. There was a lot of like lighting and stuff around, whether it was the light uh, lamps or the ballast themselves that weren't working. I went around and I did like just a bunch of electrical stuff around the store. I, I wired That's up a smart. lathe for them. And I was like, listen, when I had first got hired, I let them know that like, this is a foot in the door job for me. I'm looking to excel at a place like this. I'm happy to start as a porter, but I want to show you guys what I'm capable of. And they were like, got it. That's when I went in, I did all those things. It took maybe like three or four months until all of that stuff had gone down. And I finally sat down with my service manager at the time. And I was like, you know, listen, no disrespect. Um, it's been great being here. Um, and being around the environment. I like the people that I'm working with. I feel like I'm being treated very well, but I can do this job with my eyes closed. And let's be real, like I can't make it three more months off of this porter pay. Um, so I was like, you know, I let you know that this was a foot in the door job for me. And I showed you guys what I'm fully capable of. And I'm serious about learning. I don't, you know, I'm not just gonna take this, learn a little and then throw it out the door. Like I want this. Yeah. And uh, once I made that aware and that the fact that I couldn't live off that porter pay and that if they couldn't uh, put me into an area where the company would benefit as well as me benefiting, then I was going to have to move on to bigger things. Um, they took that to heart and almost immediately they must have talked to whoever they had to talk to and they gave me the offer, would you like to become a junior tech? 
And I accepted that with open arms and I started learning from that point on. And then I got promoted after doing, you know, enough brakes, tire changes, batteries and stuff like that, getting competent with the uh, electronic equipment that we have to use to diagnose stuff. Um, They promoted me to lube technician, which would get the fast stuff, Uh, you know, like no motor work or stuff like that, but you know, the in and out stuff that day. I'd be getting a lot of that stuff. Um, So now, uh, I mean, I guess that's still my, that's my title at the shop now as a a loop technician, but I definitely kind of, whatever anyone's working on in the shop, if I don't have anything going on myself, I'm dipping my head right into it. I'm I'm trying to ask questions. If I'm not asking questions, I'm standing back watching to see the way that they're doing things, the tools that they're using, everything. and there's a few different texts to learn from. So everyone's got their own way of doing things. You kind of just got to keep your chops up, stay walking around, keep the shop clean. And yeah, I'm super, super, super thankful. I've just been transparent every place that I go, let them know what my goals are. And I then show them what I'm capable of. And then I let them kind of, I put the ball in their court from there. Yeah. I love, I love that. I think you found like a really great balance. I think I see a lot with young, with young technicians, with young people and in just any career really that like they either come in too egotistical, right? Like I can do all the things I know everything already. Right. Or they come in too willing to like be a door, be a doormat basically. Right. And Mm -hmm. you found this way of saying like, I am capable of a lot of things. And I know I have a lot to learn and I'm really excited about learning them. And like mm-hmm. what you're showing and proving is your capability of learning and capability to learn um, mm-hmm. and willingness to get in there. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You've start, you found a really good balance there, it seems. Oh, that's absolutely. Really awesome. I think so too. Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. What are you, what have you been liking the most about motorcycles? What's been your favorite part about this new side quest you're on? <laughs> Um, so far, I mean, I would say the inner workings of all of it, to be able to learn about all of the different models within the Harley line is just, there. there's way more than you would think because a lot of people who may work on cars opposed to bikes may say bikes are a whole lot easier because it's, you know, this one thing. But realistically, there's so many different components and there's so many different models, too. So there's really so much to wrap your brain around where one tire change could be this way on this bike. But the way you need to do it on this bike is like a completely different process. So I would say that alone to be able to to decipher the differences between all of the different models just kind of like sparks my interest. And if I'm being super specific, um, the newer base uh, engine line that's out is the RevMax motor. And since it's so new, a lot of people shy away from it. Like you were saying, it's got a lot more electronics uh, than the older base stuff does. So I feel like a lot of the seasoned technicians are really shying away from that. And I think it is so freaking cool that when I'm (laughs) entering it, that it's like one of the main things that I'm starting to learn. So being able to be that technician that is taking on the stuff that 
these other seasoned people are afraid of is my strong suit at the moment, I would say. But at the same time, I'm still working diligently to try to learn about the older models and whatnot. So it's a a phenomenal strategy. I think that's very smart to do. (laughs) Yeah, totally. But I, I, yeah, I would say that in in its sense is learning about all the different models and, you know, how they all different ride, how they suit the rider and, it, we've all got our own ride that we're into, you know, there's, totally. there's no judgment on uh, what anyone wants to put, put themselves on. Yeah. Well, there sounds like there may not be a third side quest after all, because you may never get bored of this one because there's always new models and there's always more stuff to learn. Mm-hmm. This is, you found the perfect career for your inquisitive, always wanting to learn mind. I love it. I think eventually... <laughs> I have gotten asked before, like what my end goal is with within this. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be a master technician, of course, that's, you know, an amazing certification and title to have and to hold. But, you know, working in an industry like so, there's always things and, you know, how do I say this? Uh, the way that some <laughs> models are kind of put out uh, to work on them engineering to what it physically is no engineer person is the one working on it like that so the way that they make things sometimes is just kind of like you're like why did they even do that you know Uh and the person in the field being like pulling their hair out trying to figure it out and just wants to point their finger at the engineer um not saying i'd want to be an engineer but to be able to spend however many years i need to to go through all the motions that I need to, to understand that I would love at some point to be a part of a team that is processing these new, like, how can we make this better? Basically. Better to work on or just better. Okay. Better to work on for (laughs) the people that are servicing these things would be super cool. (laughs) The design aspect, I suppose. I, I love that. Uh, I I will wish you all of the best of luck in trying to figure out how to do that. Um, I, I feel like if there's anybody who's going to figure out how to do that, that's going to be you. But um, I, I have come <laughs> across, <laughs> right? Well, I came across one manufacturer that actually has a, they had a program where they were going around and interviewing shops, like independent repair shops and talking to technicians and asking for feedback on the repair experience of working on their cars. And I was like, it was, I was flabbergasted. Right. It was insane. Like I'd never heard of that. And it was the first time where I was like, I feel seen like, Oh my gosh, somebody like the engineers care about our experience and working on these cars. And, but it's so rare. It's so rare. It's so rare. But the reason I say that is because it happens everywhere. Even in the oh, electrical yeah. world, you you encounter something that's like, dude, who created this? <laughs> and same yeah. thing in the Harley. It happens everywhere. So if we totally. can find a way to, you know, <laughs> um, stabilize that quality control right. with things and keep mo- people <laughs> at bay, not every, you can't keep right. everyone happy. We all know that. But, you know, to keep most at bay would be. Yeah. 
Super I think, I think what happens is that technicians wind up paying the price for the battle that happens where you've got seven different departments that are like, it has to look this way. It has to function this way. It has to cost this much and it has to be sold as this. And it has to like use these parts and like all these different departments that are like requiring different things. And then we get stuck with like the weird, like <laughs> fruit of that. And we're like, how, why does the bolt go in from that direction? <laughs> what? Right. I can't sit here and disagree with you. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So there may be a future doing engineering with you. Uh, that's cool. I like it. I like it. Sure. All right. Um, we are running super low on time here. So um, I think we've covered like all sorts of territory here. I've got um, two final questions. Um, sure. One, you mentioned having lots of phenomenal mentors throughout your your years. Do you have any particular ones that you would love to to call out and like maybe tell like what what made them a good mentor? I think that's something we talk about on this show a lot is like the importance of mentors and what makes sure. somebody a good mentor. So I would say that uh, one of my first real mentors that took the time with me and was patient with me to learn, like learn the way that I learned to adapt with me. Uh, his name is Dave Norberg. And I worked with him over at Mercier Electric for, man, I worked side by side with him for like two and a half, almost three years. Okay. And, you know, most we had other people working with us too, but there were some days where, you know, it was him and I working side by side for like days on end. So, uh, I would consider him my work dad and he would consider me his work daughter. You know, it was that legit. Um, some of the conversations we had had is like really kind of keeping each other at bay, um, in terms of life things, but also in terms of work, he, like I said, was amazingly patient with me with learning and he was thorough. He really was not part of that generation. Like you need to learn the hard way because that's the way that I learned. He understood the fact that I'm not just some kid coming in being like, la la la, this is just my means of making money and he's wasting his time on me. You know, some of the things that he has taught me, I still carry till this day. And that's what was so important to me is uh, his drive to teach and to make sure that someone understood the concept and why it was being done some certain kind of way. He would give you the chance to mess up or do something a different kind of way to maybe see, hey, you know, okay, why would you do it differently next time? And X, Y, and Z. But D Dave was the first one that really came into play. He helped me through a lot of career aspects. He helped me solve. He made me start asking the right questions, I would say, mm. um, which which made him a super vital mentor to me. That was memorable. That's awesome. Um, so shout out to Dave Norberg right there. I love it. Dad. Wish the best for him always. I love um, it. You still in touch with him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yay. He's totally going to watch this. I'm going to send it to him. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. I would say was the second company that I had worked for who I'm hoping he will watch this as well. His name is Chris McGeary. And I started doing residential electrical work with him. And that was doing commercial industrial for almost eight years, stepping into residential. Yeah, sure. Everyone can do residential, but when it comes to literal building structure, 
so different. So having to learn all of that, I had a lot of times within that field where I was super unsure. Um, I'd be doing something and I'm like, I think this is the right way, but like, you just want some reassurance. Yeah. You know, he would give me that reassurance, but he hit a point, which I didn't realize at first where he trusted me a lot enough to know that the questions that I was asking him, he knew that I could answer them myself. He just wanted me to do it. So there'd be times where I'd start to ask him questions after time and he would start giving me that hard learning style. And I'd be like, okay. And then start asking myself (laughs) questions and doing my own research to figure out the answers. So as a mentor, even though it was really tough with him sometimes, I appreciate him till the end of this earth because one, he was all, he was an amazing person. He took the time to learn me, but he did, he still didn't give me it easy, which again, I I don't love that approach all the time, but he took the time to really learn how I took things, learn things. He saw the way that I did things and then he let it flow altogether. It just made sense. Um, Chris would take the shirt off of his back for me today if I asked him. Um, so both of those electrical mentors, Dave and Chris have been amazing, phenomenal people within my life and they still are amazing, phenomenal people in my life. And, uh, yeah, those, those two right there have been, that's fantastic. The trade world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, that's an interest, that's a learning style or that's a teaching style that I think like people often mistake for, like they're being a dick to me. They refuse to help me. They whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if you shift the perception of it to, they have faith that I can figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. It changes everything, right? Totally. <laughs> like, like that, it changes absolutely everything. And it goes back to what you said about like in the beginning of what somebody thinks of you or what you think somebody thinks of you and mm-hmm. checking that. And I love that that, Absolutely. Very cool. All right. So final question. You have an opportunity to go back in time and speak to younger Jenna. Oh, man. What are your words of advice for her? What are my words of advice for younger Jenna? (laughs) I would say that things don't get easier. You just get stronger. Mm. Because I couldn't tell you how many times that as a kid growing up, I would just kind of be like, I can't wait for everything to feel like a breeze Mm. or, you know, everyone, I feel like you look at adults and they just, they swim through life and it just seems so effortless. (laughs) And then you can't, you grow up and you come to realize that like none of that was effortless at all. Not only was it like physically taxing, but also emotionally taxing. Yeah. Like it could bring me to tears right now, just at the strengths I've held within my mental battles through life, through work, like through all of it is like, keep pushing on because you're, you're just getting stronger. You know, it's, it's so cool. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. No. And, and we do, we look up at adults and we're like, they have it all figured out. No, we don't. Mm-mm, no, we don't. No. Nobody's, nobody's got it figured out. Cut yourself some slack. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what, what the perception is from, you know, a, a young, you know, six-year-old kid yeah. is, uh, you know, I couldn't believe when I turned 21 that I was like, 
damn when i was six i thought 21 year olds had it all figured out like hell no (laughs) (laughs) so funny i love it it's like life's biggest joke (laughs) oh my goodness this has been awesome you are such a a pleasure this has been a surprise but a wonderful surprise um it's been so great getting to hear your story and and learn about you and hear some of your fantastic just words of um I don't know, different perspectives and, and ways of handling life. Um, I love it. And I know that the, the folks at home are going to enjoy it as much as I have. So thank you so very much. Um, and be respectful of your time and let you go for the evening. But we are definitely going to chat more offline. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've actually had never been on a podcast opportunity like this before. And Ooh. With it being uh, with her two hands base in terms of females in the trade, I, I really was all about it. Uh, the first time you had mentioned it to me, it was definitely something I would would have loved to partake in because awesome. it's it's an important part of my life too. And and the goal is to just push on and um, have other women feel just as confident because some people enter uh, not knowing, don't have any family that's in this or friends that are in it, but yep. they want to try it. And I want to let everyone know that if you put your mind to it and you keep the discipline within yourself, that you can absolutely accomplish anything, even if you have people rooting against you. Heck yeah. Amen to that. And cheers. I would toast you if I had a drink. We'll toast with water. Toasting water. But Bogey, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on and chatting with me for a little bit. And uh, I can't wait to see what the future holds. Yes, indeed. Thank you so, so very much. And thank you guys at home so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed meeting Jenna as much as I did. If you did, make sure you leave it in the comments, hit like, hit subscribe, share this with your friends. The more comments and likes we get, the more people see these stories, these meet these incredible women, and the more we normalize women in the trades. And that is what this is all about. So thank you guys for spending part of your evening with me. It means so very much. Make sure that you come back next week to meet another incredible woman. And of course, every Monday we release the archive episodes. You can tune in for that as well. Until next time, be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. Again, Happy New Year. Have a good night, guys. Mm -hmm.